Welcome to the Stories of Light podcast. Are you searching for God-centered mentors in the network marketing industry? Are you striving for success or seeking to serve the kingdom? Do you want to build this business his way? You're in luck, friend. I'm Heather, and I'm excited to introduce you to some of the most successful God-centered leaders in the industry who are willing to share their wisdom and pour into you. Get excited for today's interview. Okay, you guys are in for a huge treat. It's kind of a big deal who I have for y'all to learn more about today. His name is Brock Johnson. I'm sure many of you guys know him well. And if you don't, you need to follow him on Instagram immediately because he is the master when it comes to helping people of all businesses, but specifically network marketing, really soar on Instagram. So he has built a massive empire alongside his amazing mother, Shalene Johnson. And they together run the Insta Club Hub, which is a pretty big deal for this 24-year-old who is self-proclaimed putting Jesus first. So Brock, thank you for being a light and thank you for being my guest today. Heather, of course, thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Yay, awesome. Well, for those of us that might not know kind of your backstory and background, I know I'm going to be getting to know a lot more about you today than I currently do. Tell us more about your life growing up, especially being the son of a rock star in the network marketing industry with your mom. Yeah, absolutely. So I was very much raised in an entrepreneurial household. My entire life, my parents owned, bought, sold, ran different companies. I was always around it. I was always in their offices. And I learned very much, I like to say, like through osmosis or through (laughs) monkey see, monkey do, I learned a lot about the business world and entrepreneurship and what it was like to work for yourself. I got to see the benefits, the fact that my parents could take me to and from school every single day, the fact that they could be at every single practice and never miss one of my sporting games. But I also got to see the struggles. I got to see the late nights. I got to see sometimes the unpredictability of owning your own business. So I really got to watch it all through example by my parents growing up. It wasn't like we sat around the dinner table and talked about business. We didn't sit down for weekly marketing lessons with mom and dad at home. (laughs) But just being around it my entire life, I got to learn a lot about business. And I was always very interested in that myself. And so the first thing that I kind of want to highlight in my story is that Mm -hmm. if you have young kids, if you're listening right now, and maybe you want your kid to be interested in entrepreneurship or to possibly own their own business one day, the best thing you can do is to just be a great example for them. Be a great entrepreneur, a great business owner. Be that yourself. Be someone who is driven yourself and let them just learn from that. Because I think when you try to like force your kids into entrepreneurship or into any particular sport or really into any particular area of life, of course, the natural response is resistance. So that was something I think my parents did really well is they just kind of were examples for me and my sister to both learn from. And so from a really young age, I showed interest in entrepreneurship. I can remember being like six, seven years old, trying to start my own air quotes businesses, trying to, (laughs) I think one year for Christmas, I got a book on how to tie shoelaces in like different funny, cool patterns. And I started selling that as like a service to some of my classmates. So I would like say, Hey, for 10 bucks, I'll take your shoes home. I'll tie them up, lace them up (laughs) in a cool way and I'll bring them back to school the next day. So as early as third, fourth, fifth grade, I was already thinking about creating a business for myself. But all of these businesses ultimately led me to purchasing my first car. So that was Mm -hmm. my first real experience with like buying something for myself and earning my money in order to purchase something. 
And then I flipped that car, not as in flipped it upside down, but flipped it (laughs) as for a profit. And I used the money from flipping that car to launch my first business. And my first business was launched when I was about 19 years old, my freshman year of college. I was a college football player. So I had very limited time. So if you have limited time, if you have limited budget, if you have limited resources, I can relate on all of those things. Because as a student athlete, as a college football player, you are very limited on your time, on your hours, on your resources. You can't work a normal nine to five job because six hours out of the day, you're with your sports team. Six hours, you're either in classes or studying. So your time, your money, your resources are really taken up by being a student athlete. So I knew that I couldn't work a normal job. I had to kind of create something for myself. And that's when my first real legitimate business was born. It was when I was about 19 years old, freshman year of college. And funny enough, at that time, my business was helping moms keep their kids safe on Snapchat. So totally different than what I do, right? Like now I do Instagram. I help small business owners and network marketers learn to market and grow on Instagram. But just five, six years ago, I was doing something totally different on a totally different social media platform, helping arguably a totally different group of people with a totally different problem. Uh, But over time, my business has grown and changed and evolved. And of course, so have I. And that's kind of how we got to where I am today. Oh my gosh, what a cool story. And I love that even as as a busy, I don't want to say broke, but you know, I feel like most college kids are Mm -hmm. that you kind of tapped into that entrepreneurial spirit that your parents instilled in you. And and got started at such an early age, because I know most of us, myself included at that time, are not focused on those type things. So that's pretty amazing. And I also love when you were touching on your experience growing up, that both in, I think, life and in raising kids, and certainly in network marketing, people don't always do what you tell them to do, but they instead do what they see you do. So Mm -hmm. I love that your experience in business from your family was really in them leading by example, which is exactly what you do so beautifully for those of us who are part of your coaching. And I love also that that relates to faith. So I want to hear a little bit more about your faith story. I know your mom is obviously strong in her faith as well. So tell us about how did you come to know the Lord? Maybe walk us through your story when it comes to your faith. Yeah, absolutely. So I wasn't raised in the church. I was raised believing in God, but not really having much of an understanding at all. We didn't really pray very much, rarely together as a family, didn't understand what it meant, didn't understand who Jesus was, didn't really know anything about that at all until my freshman year of college. My parents had both, uh, in their own families growing up, had different experiences with the church, more or less active in the church, but it wasn't necessarily central to our family for maybe the first 12 to 14 years of my life. It was something we believed in and something that definitely led us, but we didn't really have that much of a relationship or that much of an understanding for what it really meant to follow Jesus. And that was until my freshman year of college, where a friend invited us to attend Saddleback Church. And Saddleback Church, for people who don't know, is, you know, one of those mega churches, Pastor Rick Warren, very popular pastor, very popular church. And we lived maybe 10, 15 minutes down the road. And yet we had never been. So our friends, our very close, dear friends, invited us to the church. There was, a, I believe, a guest speaker that first weekend. And that was kind of, you know, how they got us to come. Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, there's this guest speaker. He's a world-renowned. He, why don't you just come and listen? So we came. And almost immediately, I kind of took the lead and fell in love with Jesus and really dove oh. in head first. 
to this faith and kind of earned the nickname within our family as Pastor Brock. And I began leading the family and really encouraging us to go to church every week. But really, as a family, all of us were really interested. And soon after that, if anyone is familiar with Pastor Rick and his family, there was a tragic thing that happened in their family, and, and they had to step away from the church for a few months. But because of that, because they stepped away from the church, every single week for, I think it might've been like six months, there was a different guest pastor who came and spoke to the church. The guys from Duck Dynasty came, there was pastors from Las Vegas, there was my new home pastor, Judah Smith in Seattle from what at the time was, was uh, City Church and is now Church Home. There was pastors from the Philippines, from all over the world coming to speak. And so what that meant for us as new churchgoers is we got to see a ton of different perspectives taught by a ton of different pastors with a ton of different backgrounds and a ton of different slightly variant beliefs and principles and, and ideas. So it was really, really cool and powerful as a family to get to kind of experience that. It was kind of like we got the crash course on like, hey, here's what today the world in Christianity, here's the, here's the big thought leaders and here's what they all have to say. And so that was really powerful and it led us quite a bit in our faith journey. And so we continued going to Saddleback Church for the next three or four years. And then my junior and senior year of high school, I started driving up to LA once a week because mm -hmm. Judah Smith does a service on Wednesday nights in LA. So I would make the two hour drive from Orange County up to Los Angeles and watch him speak every single week. And then I've just continued to stay pretty plugged into what was City Church and it's now Church Home which is Pastor Judah Smith's church. I've stayed pretty plugged into that for the last, gosh, maybe seven or eight years. And now it was actually a, quite a big reason why I wanted to move to Seattle is because mm -hmm. the church is based here in Seattle. So that was kind of a pretty big reason for my fiance and myself to move here about a year ago. Oh my gosh, that is wild. And I can't believe, I never would have guessed that you were sort of the one, I guess together, but you were sort of the one to lead your family to follow the Lord, which is amazing. And actually kind of similar to my story too. I was just like you, I did not grow up in the church. And actually Pastor Rick, The Purpose Driven Life was one of the, the most impactful early books in my faith journey that really helped me to kind of get, <laughs> get to where I am yeah. now. So it's wild to, for it to wow. come full circle. Mm -hmm. And it's also pretty wild, you know, Romans 8, 28, the fact that the Lord works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I think that's really evident that your faith grew during what I know is just a really hard time in Pastor Rick's life with losing his son and, you know, in a really tragic way. So it's I almost got emotional there thinking about how that horror and the nightmare that they went through is part of what shaped your faith journey to now here you are impacting yeah. so many more. And that's just how the Lord works, right? Like that's, that's why so many people say Jesus is like the best network marketer because it's like, <laughs> Look at right. You invite, you use a third party tool, invite a speaker, invite your friends to church to hear the third party tool speaker, right? And so your faith walk is a perfect analogy to the network marketing journey. One of the things that I wanted to kind of ask you about as you were saying that your journey and walking with the Lord kind of coincided with when you started your first business, right? In college, it was just right after that that you did it. Do you feel like that was an inspiration from the Lord? And do you feel like then and now that a lot of the inspiration and wisdom that you get, whether it be a fun dance for a reel or a content suggestion for the Insta Club Hub, do you feel like a lot of that inspiration 
is coming from your time with the Lord? Yeah, absolutely. I think that in every business that I've done, whether it was lacing up people's shoes or it was teaching moms how to keep their kids safe on Snapchat, or now what I do is helping small business owners with Instagram. I think that being led from a place of service is something that's always been very, very central to me and something that I've learned through my faith. And something that really guides me is just leading from that place of service. Yes, of course, there's the cliche of service over selling, but that really means something to me. And Mm -hmm. if anything, I've been told multiple times, both from people direct messaging me and even from my mom, like, dude, you might be giving away a little bit too much on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Like you might be serving a little bit too much. You might be extending a little bit too far. And there's some truth to that. And there's protecting your own boundaries and honoring the season that you're in and protecting your own energy, but really service and helping others. That is central to everything I do in life and in business. Well, I can say from someone who really enjoys consuming all of your free goodness that you Mm -hmm. drop over on Instagram and the value that you provide, I know that that's what then builds the trust for people to then want to invest in the services that you provide. They want more. And then I love that you bring that value, especially alongside your mom in that way. And once again, that's a perfect example of Christ leading by example, because he came to serve, right? I love that. Well, tell me about working with your mom in that way and how I know you guys are super close. She still lives in California. Yes. So you guys aren't living in the same town, but you guys see each other a lot, right? So tell us about what it's like to work together on this. Yeah, absolutely. So our first time working together was probably three or four years ago now. I guest spoke at one of her live events and did a training on Snapchat. And then I continued to guest speak at those events over the next few years, talking about Snapchat and Instagram and just generally social media marketing. And I've contributed to some of her larger academies and courses. I've contributed some lessons and some trainings there. But it was last year during the pandemic that I had moved back home. My college football career was cut short. I didn't get to play my senior season. Oh, uh, so I moved back home and I was living with my parents again, 23 years old. It was around that time that I kept kind of badgering my mom and really both my parents. And I was like, we need to create something together. We need to wow. have an Instagram specific course or membership, or, or we just need to offer something specifically because there's so much that's always changing about Instagram. And there's a million different experts out there who are teaching a million different things. We need to set the record straight and we need to help people from our own principles, which is not grind your face off and work 24, 7, 365. But what do you really need to do? Like what's actually going to move the needle? That's very central to everything my parents and I do in our business is keeping the peace, really. That's like my parents' word, keeping the peace, staying at peace. And really what that means is not having to work 24, seven, 365, being able to know, Hey, here's the two or three things that you need to do today on Instagram. And everything else is just fluff. Everything Mm -hmm. else might make a one or 2% difference, but here are the few things that actually matter. Here are the few things that are actually going to lead to results. And I was like, mom, there's a million experts out there who are teaching the opposite, who are teaching Mm -hmm. that you just need to keep, you know, put your head down and keep working, working, working. When really we've found strategies and proven ways, proven Mm -hmm. techniques that can help you see results in a short amount of time without having to put in all that unnecessary effort. So it was all of that and the badgering and the constantly nagging her. And I was (laughs) living with her. So it wasn't just text messages and phone calls. It was face-to-face. We were having these conversations. And so that was why in 
last summer. So it was summer, I think June or July of 2020 was the mm-hmm. first time that we actually became partners. And we did our first kind of Instagram boot camp. And then from that, we were like, oh my gosh, we need to keep this going. And so now we have the Insta Club Hub, like you mentioned earlier. And so even though my mom and I don't live together anymore, mm-hmm. we're still talking every single day. She was texting me this morning, sending voice messages back and forth. We do two live trainings every single month in the Insta Club Hub. And so at the bare minimum, I'm seeing my mom Zoom face-to-face twice a month. And then also, of course, I'm still <laughs> going home probably about once a month or once every other month to visit and hang out. But it's been really such a blessing to get to work with my mom. On a lot of ways, we're very, very similar. We have very similar tendencies and quirks. And yet on, in other ways, we're kind of on the opposite wavelength where we can kind of complement each other. And her ADHD can take her off on a tangent. And I can reel her back in a little bit. Or she can say two words about something and I can know exactly what page she's on and I can get right there with her. So it's really been a blessing to get to work with my mom and co-own this business together and get to just serve literally thousands and thousands of entrepreneurs Mm. on a monthly basis. It's really powerful. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. And once again, I think one of the things I love the most about what you guys do is you're in the trenches doing it. So you don't just like, and you invite us to do it with you. Like I love the Mm -hmm. 30 day reels challenge of all 30 days, but I loved (laughs) participating that with you because I know that you learned what worked. And I love that you even went back to share specifically which reels performed the best and, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of give your feedback on why. So it's not like you're just standing up on a pulpit and preaching what you think. It's you're doing the work yourself and then you're sharing the results with all of us, which I think is really, really, really cool. So thank you again for doing that. The other thing I wanted to talk about is you always kind of talk about the importance of having a niche and being your own personal brand, especially on Instagram. And obviously for you, your faith is a big aspect of that. And so you're very vocal. It literally is at the top of your profile, which is very high value real estate, I might add. You put, Mm -hmm. you know, that Jesus is important to you. So how would you recommend for those people who might be listening that are nervous about integrating their faith on a public platform and what that would do? Can you share your insight and experience on integrating your faith in your business in that way? Yeah, absolutely. So I don't think there's necessarily a one size fits all answer. I think that the Lord can lead you through prayer. He can place it on your own heart what's right for you. And you'll know what's right for you. Maybe what's right for you is just occasionally mentioning your faith in some of your posts or your stories or whatnot. Maybe for you, it's putting it like in your username and putting a cross all over your profile. (laughs) And like every post is about your faith. Maybe that's part of your journey. Maybe that's what the Lord has put on your heart, but it's a little bit different for everyone. That is central to me. That is very important to me. And it actually goes against what I teach because what I teach is that the first line of your bio should tell people what your niche is. And mine doesn't. My second line Mm. of my bio tells people what my niche is. My first line of my bio says Jesus lover. And that's something that's always remained constant. And it's a little source of pride for me, honestly, when I show a screenshot and I'm like, hey, look, a year ago, I had 40,000 followers and now I have whatever, 150,000. And if you look at my profile, the following number has changed. The bio's changed slightly. My profile picture's changed a little bit. The only two things that haven't changed is number one, my username, that hasn't changed. And then that first line of my bio that says Jesus lover, that has not Mm. changed in the last probably four or five years that I put that in there. It hasn't changed. It hasn't moved. And so that's important to me. Now in my posts, I'm not posting about my faith every single day. I'm not standing, like you said, on a pulpit and preaching on my stories or going live 
to share the word every single day. Sometimes I might share a podcast I'm listening to. Sometimes I might share a book that I'm reading related to my faith. Sometimes I might share a verse from my morning devotional or something like that. So it comes up, but it's not something that I'm necessarily screaming in anyone's face when they follow me on Instagram. I love that. What a funny thing I had never thought about that you break your own, you break your own rule in that way. But I also love obviously that it's such an important rounding factor for who you are that like you said, that's the unchanging part of you as things like Instagram or even the value that you provide starts to shift. That's something that never will. I look at your Instagram profile. I've got it pulled up right here. And for anybody that isn't following him, go do it immediately. It's Brock 11 Johnson is your handle. And I'm assuming 11 is your, was that your number for playing football? Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Okay. Awesome. And which team? I think I remember, but tell us which team. I played at UC Davis in Northern California. That is so cool. So Brock 11 Johnson. And I love right at the very beginning, Jesus lover. I help small business owners with organic Instagram growth. Bam. That is exactly what you do. And then right under that, you say seven figure business owner at 24 years old, which is like, wow, totally amazing. So for anybody that, because I know this was me when I first started my network marketing journey, who struggles with the making money side of their faith, right? Like, what would you say to someone who's like, oh gosh, is it okay to make money off of serving others and things like that? Because obviously you've done that beautifully. So tell us more about that. Yeah, I appreciate it. So I think a few things here that we can talk about. And this is something that I don't know if I've ever shared on a podcast before, but this is a really great topic that I'd love to dive into. So a few things that I want to share on this. If God can get it to you, it's because he wants to get it through you. So all of these, it's a seven figure co-owner, business owner, whatever, 24. That is so that I can help others. Donating, that's so I can take care of friends and family. That's so that I can provide peace and stability for my own family. That's not every dollar of that is pocketed and stored away and, and crammed under the bed. That's to spread to others. And I think that's true, not just of money. That's true of all blessings, right? Like that's true mm-hmm. of, of knowledge. That's yeah. true of like right now we're on this podcast. We both have knowledge to share. And so that's why we're doing this. That's why we're speaking right now is to share the blessing of knowledge that we have with anyone who's listening. That's how I look at it with serving people on my Instagram is I'm sharing the blessing that I have of knowledge. I have the blessing and the privilege, the opportunity to research Instagram. I have relationships with people who work at Instagram. So I have some insider knowledge. We Mm. run countless case studies and we track data to learn what actually works. And all of that is a blessing, a blessing that's come Mm. to me. So a blessing that's going to come through me and I'm going to share it with my followers and with my audience. So that's something that I really believe on Instagram. And then also from the business side of things, if we can speak just about human psychology for a minute, we like, we've all downloaded something for free, right? We've all seen one of those ads pop up where it's like, put in your email for free and you don't really use it. Or it's like, Hey, you get free access. I remember I did a an interview with someone who has a yoga membership. And I do yoga sometimes. And my fiance, she does yoga pretty regularly. And I did a live interview with a woman who has a yoga membership. And she was like, Brock, I'd love to gift you free access to our yoga membership. And I was like, that's so kind. Thank you so much. I really like really, really sweet gift. And I really, really appreciate that. To be totally honest with you, Heather, I don't think I used it once because the perceived value when something is free is zero. It's free. It's zero. It's nothing. There is no perceived value to that. And so when you charge people for things and you don't have to gouge people, you don't have to overprice your things, but even just pricing something at $7, the psychology behind that shows that people are so much more likely to use it, to implement it, to receive their own blessing from it 
and then share it with other people, even if it's only like a couple of dollars. So it doesn't have to rip out people's pocketbooks. You don't have to clear someone's bank account in order to provide blessings. But honestly, from a human psychology standpoint, when you charge for something, people are more likely to consume it, to use it, and to benefit from it themselves. Wow. I have never really thought about that, but you're exactly right. Because I know even in coaching, for example, it's like I have recently started doing group coaching and private coaching. And the reason that I show up is because I paid the money for it, right? Like Mm -hmm. I wouldn't make it a priority otherwise. So I love that you say that because that is how you can best serve people is by charging, (laughs) by charging for the value of the services that you provide. Wow. That's awesome. That really is amazing. So can you think of a story? I would love to know, and there may or may not be one that comes to mind, but is there a story where you feel like the Lord, where it was just so clear that the Lord was in this thing with you? Is there like just a a really specific moment that you can think back on that you're like, wow, I know that is coming from you, Lord. Yeah. So I think looking back on it, I'm able to see things a lot clearer. Of course, hindsight is 2020, but my junior year of high school, I shattered my left collarbone. I was snowboarding, kind of a freak accident and just like destroyed my left collarbone. I won't get too graphic, but to this day, I have a plate and seven metal screws in my collarbone. And I was a high school football player, of course. It was my dream to not just play college football, but to play professional football. Both my dad and my uncle played professional football. My family has a long lineage and a long tradition of being kind of prominent in the football world. So playing in the NFL growing up wasn't even necessarily a dream. It was like, okay, that's what's going to happen. That's the plan. That's since I was like four or five years old, six years old, that was what's going to happen. There was no plan B. There was only plan A and it was playing the NFL. So then my junior year, and I'll try to make this story as as short as possible, as succinct as possible. I shatter my collarbone. That means that I missed that entire off season practically. And people who don't know, that is a very important time in a high school football player's Mm. recruiting journey. You're going to camps, you're unofficially visiting schools, you're touring universities, you're forming these connections and relationships with recruiters and scouters and all that. And I really missed a large part of that time because I was recovering, rehabbing and in surgery for my collarbone. So all of that to just say, eventually I ended up at Georgetown University, which in my mind, it was USC, it was Michigan State, it was Stanford. Like I was going to the top of the top, the A1 schools. And when I said Georgetown football 10 seconds ago, a lot of people might've been like, wait, I didn't even know Georgetown had a football team. (laughs) So it was absolutely a blessing to go to Georgetown. Super great academic school. I loved the school, but it just was never really where I saw myself. Mm -hmm. But all that to say, that was the place and being at Georgetown was the place where I started my business. I firmly believe that if I was at Stanford or if I was at Texas or if I was at one of these big powerhouse schools, I don't think I would have started a business. I think they would have taken care of me enough. Those big schools, they have a reputation for taking care of their student athletes quite a bit. So I don't think I would have felt the need and the necessity and the drive to start a business for myself. So then I would have never started that business. And then I never would have transferred from Georgetown to UC Davis which is where I got even more connected and grew my business even more and had a million other opportunities present themselves. And so I can see this whole spider web or this snowball or this entire branch of a tree that grows from this one freak accident and shattering my collarbone, which at the time might've been, in my opinion, the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Definitely mm. uh, maybe the worst pain I've ever been in in my life. But from that, 
I can see all of these blessings that have come from it. I can see the thousands and thousands of people, literally hundreds of thousands of entrepreneurs who have now been able to help and serve through my business. And the business never would have gotten started if I wouldn't have been at Georgetown. And I never wouldn't have been at Georgetown if I hadn't shattered my collarbone. And, you know, to bring it full circle and to back up a little bit outside of business, I probably would have never reconnected with my fiance, who I'm engaged to now, if I hadn't transferred from Georgetown to UC Davis and all of this hadn't happened. Maybe it's a little bit audacious or bold of me to draw all these lines back to this one freak accident. But looking back on it, I really think that they all connect to this one, at the time, pretty terrible moment. Wow. Oh my goodness. And the Lord's plans are always better than anything we can dream up for ourselves. Doesn't mean you shouldn't have a vision or a purpose and be all in with where you are. But every time I ask that question, you would think that, because I think sometimes people who maybe aren't strong in their faith, they think, oh, people just look to the Lord as like this magical genie who answers prayers and gives you all the things that you want. When in reality, sometimes the biggest blessings in our lives come from some really hard times. So I noticed that most of the time when I ask that question, people, they don't reference the blessings or the good things. They reference something really not so great that happened Mm -hmm. and how they can see the Lord's hand and working that together for their good. I love that story. Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) Well, what has the Lord put on your heart for the future? Yeah, I think that the future right now, I'm really thinking a lot about these new changes to Instagram and depending on when people are listening to this, Instagram pretty recently has announced some new changes for their future. Prioritizing creators, prioritizing video. They shocked a lot of people by saying that we are no longer a photo sharing app. That's a direct quote. They said, we are no longer just a photo sharing app. And people are saying, oh my gosh, it's the downfall of Instagram. Instagram is going to fall at the wayside. They're just trying to copy TikTok. When ultimately... We've all been saying that. And every single time Instagram makes a change, everyone says that for the last probably eight years. Mm -hmm. I remember when Instagram first introduced video in like 2013, and they did it at the time to copy Vine. And everyone's like, oh, Instagram could never compete with Vine. Mm. Vine is the king of video. Well, now Vine's been dead for like five (laughs) years. Some people don't even know what Vine is. Yeah. So Instagram continues to progress and they continue ultimately to do things that are in our best interest. And so even though, you know, the news might be hysteric about it, some people might freak out over this new quote unquote emphasis on video, but really for the future, I think that Instagram is going to continue to make things better for us. I think if you aren't growing on Instagram right now, if you are scared to put yourself out there, if you are timid and shy to put yourself on video, Of course, the best time to get started was like 2011, 2012, when Instagram first started. But the second best time is right now. Oh, wow. Right now. Like there's no better time than right now to just start learning about video, start putting yourself out there on Instagram, start recording some Instagram reels and having fun with it. Your first couple of reels are going to be sloppy. They're not going to be great. They're not going to be perfect. But the one thing that I will say about that and about the idea of perfect is that perfect isn't possible. And perfect is a rejection of our humanity. It's impossible for a human being to be perfect. There's only been one human to be perfect. And he was 100% human and 100% God at the same time. And I think that the entire focus of the Bible, of Jesus' story, is to point us back to him. We're always going to fall short. We are never going to be perfect. We are never going to be good enough. Our works will never be enough. 
But I think that the whole point of that book is to just point our eyes back to him, point our focus back to him and what he's done and what he has finished for us. So that's a little bit full circle. And usually I don't add that last part when we're talking about perfection on Instagram, but hey, this is the audience who I know can take that, Heather. So ultimately, let's reject perfection. Let's stop trying to be perfect and let's just start showing up, showing up more on Instagram. And I promise you, if you just start showing up more consistently, the blessings will rain down and you'll be able to rain those blessings in turn onto your new followers and your new audience on Instagram. Wow. That is amazing. And I'm so glad you shared that beautiful example of the gospel with us. I know that will be so impactful regardless of where anybody is on that spectrum. Cause that's really ultimately, like you said, that's the core of the truth of what you've learned and experienced in your faith. And we have all fallen short of the glory and we all will continue to. But what's really kind of cool about that is I feel like that's what's more builds trust and connection whether it's one-on-one or whether it's on Instagram or leveraging social media is people, they're craving authenticity, right? Like they want to see the imperfect. They want to see the real. So when people, it's like they let their fear and the procrastination, which is always tied to that perfectionism, right? Mm -hmm. They let that hold them back. When in reality, if you're scared, say you're scared, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So would you advise people, because I know that this is something that I've experienced, even like I was so scared to ask you or to invite you to be on this interview. And then I was so scared to interview you. But I know that not a lot at this point in my business, not a lot scares me. So I know I need to lean into those things that kind of create that fear because that's where my faith is allowed to shine. So what would you say for someone who is afraid of video or afraid of doing a reel or afraid of learning the ins and outs and the ever-changing things of Instagram, what would you speak to for someone who's experiencing fear? Absolutely. So I had to ask my fiance about this one and she's in school to become a therapist. She's getting her master's degree right now. So she knows a lot about mental health. And also I've never had a fear of video or being on stages. So this is something that I can't necessarily directly speak to myself. But the biggest thing that she says is just ask yourself, when you see someone else showing up on video or going live or doing reels or whatever, are you harshly judging them? Like, are you critiquing every little hair that's out of place? And are you like, oh my gosh, they look so bad here. Oh my gosh, they look two pounds heavier than they did yesterday. Oh my gosh, their makeup isn't perfect. Most likely you're not. Most likely you're just watching the content. You're just consuming it. And you're probably thinking positive thoughts about them. We're always going to be our own harshest critic. Mm -hmm. People are not looking at us and judging us most of the time as harshly as we are ourselves. So I think that's important to keep in mind when you are creating a reel is that you're always going to be your own harshest critic. No one is going to say the things that you're thinking in your head. And another way to think about this is, would you be friends with someone who spoke to you the way you speak to yourself? An important and a powerful question to ask yourself, because a lot of us have this negative self-talk and we go to sit down and record a reel and we're critiquing every little thing on the video and we're judging the whole thing. When ultimately we would never do that to someone else and we would never be friends with someone who did that to us. As much of a challenge as it may be, it ultimately goes back to practice and repetition, but consistently practicing, avoiding that negative self-talk, diminishing that negative self-talk, practicing positive self-talk, or just flat out ignoring the fact that like, hey, my hair isn't perfect today. Or hey, there's a messy background. Like you said, people crave what's real and people really want that, especially now more than ever on social media. People don't want 
filters and Photoshop and perfected light and all that good stuff. They want what's real. They want what's authentic. I love that. That was a beautiful example. Thank you so much, Brock. Well, is there anything else that you feel called or led to share specific to faith or business or anything? Sure. I would say just get started. I know it's cliche, but I also know that it's not the most attractive thing to say. I wish there was some like magic pixie dust I could sprinkle on everyone listening, but ultimately just get started. The biggest difference between the people who are successful and the people who aren't is the people who are successful just got started. And when they failed, they they just learned and they just kept going. They just got started. That's really the difference. The reason I'm here today in my business, the reason I'm speaking right now, the reason that you're listening to me on this podcast is because six years ago, I just got started. It's going to be sloppy. It's going to be messy. It's going to be imperfect, but you need to just get started. Wow. That is great advice. Do it scared, do it anyway, and fail forward. because That's what's going to make you better and stronger so that you can serve others because that's taking it back full circle. And what's given to you, you can then give through your network marketing business or whatever it is that you choose to do in life. So I love that. Well, where can people find more information? Obviously on Instagram, we already pointed them there, but more information about Insta Club Hub or more information about you. Yeah, absolutely. So the best place to get connected with me is on Instagram. People are always shocked at not just the fact that I respond to all of my direct messages, but I usually respond pretty quickly, kind Mm -hmm. of a little bit too quickly sometimes. But I do take my direct messages very personally. So I encourage anyone who's listening right now to take a screenshot of the podcast and share it on their stories, to direct message me on Instagram. And then if you want to learn more about Insta Club Hub, you can visit instaclubhub.com or there's also a link to it in my bio of my Instagram. So if you're kill two birds with one stone, if you're going to check out my Instagram, you'll see the link in my bio as well. That's awesome. And we'll make sure to, to link all this in the show notes as well if you're listening on any of the podcast platforms. Well, Brock, thank you so much for saying yes and responding to my Instagram message. It's, I know your time is so valuable and your expertise, but it's been really special to hear more of some of the deeper sides of what you may not have been able to share so publicly before. So thank you for your time today. Of course. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Heather. Awesome. Well, have a great day. Thank y'all for listening. I hope y'all enjoyed this episode and make sure to share with a friend. I'd also be forever grateful if you'd be willing to leave me a review over on iTunes. And don't forget to check out heatherkburge.com for lots more info. Have a great week.